Hello? Hey, is this Striker? Yeah, who's this? Hey, this is Nicholas. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Where the heck are you? I'm just a few minutes away. All right. Of course, you are going to be exactly right on time. I appreciate that. See you soon. All right. See you soon. Bye, Nicholas. Peace. Your name is Striker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music and I love those that create it. Yeah, welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. Every single Tuesday we drop a new episode. We are brought to you by Hamer Toyota, my good friends out there in Mission Hills here in Southern California. It's a car dealership like no other dealership you've ever been to. They are so incredibly nice. They treat every single customer that comes in like a rock star. We've been working together for over eight years And when I decided to jump into the podcast world, uh, when I said, hey, do you guys want to do something? They said within 1.3 seconds, yes, Stryker. We want to be the title sponsor of Tuna on Toast. When you're thinking about selling your car, truck, SUV, or you want to buy a new one or lease a new one, please think of Hamer Toyota because they're a big company supporting an independent artist. I would be the independent artist right here. It's actually fun to go hang out on the lot there and see the general sales manager named Johnny. I'm not saying go get your automobile right now, but again, when it's time, Hamer Toyota, H-A-M-E-R, HamerToyota.com. Let's get to Nicholas Patrika. He's the front man from Walk the Moon. Uh, Just a quick little bit of business here. Uh, You can always watch these interviews on my YouTube channel, which is Tune on Toast with Stryker on YouTube. Every interview is up there, and please spread the word. It's just you and it's me, and we're the ones that let the folks know that Tune on Toast is happening, and I can see the numbers going up, and I can see like people, oh, checking out Davey Havoc, who didn't even know Tune on Toast existed, and then they're going to now watch, listen to Tom Morello. So the thing, it's like a snowball going down, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's thanks to you walk the moon is a band who right in front of our very eyes has gotten huge over the last 10 or 11 years it's because they write one great song after another whether it's a kamikaze one foot shut up and dance and a son and five full records out it just released Heights. There's a song on Heights, by the way, called Can You Handle My Love? Hovering around the top five. I play it quite a bit on my Out of Order show, and it is co-written by the great artist Kay Flay. Walk the Moon, their story, and specifically Nicholas Patrika, it's awesome. And just like every guest on this podcast, at the end of it, you are going to be so enthused and know so much about this person, you automatically will root for Nicholas the rest of his life. No career is handed to anybody. You guys know that. Whether it's Tom DeLonge or M. Shadows, Bishop Ray, whoever it is, you go through some S. You got to start somewhere. You got to play shows wherever you're from in front of seven people. Yes, you can make a song in your bedroom and have you know five million people watch it, but what about going out, driving around in a van, and doing shows with nobody there, and then getting yourself a major, major label record deal? So let's get to this story. And by the way, yes, there are some, my eyes water up towards the end of this thing. This is a roller coaster of emotions. This is a charming, smart, fun, talented human. Without any further ado, please welcome to the Tuna on Toast studio from Walk the Moon, Nicholas Patrika. Whoa, 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 whoa. This guy, Nicholas does not respect wood. Hold on. There you go. I'm so sorry. My mother, my mother... 
would be so disappointed. <laughs> that's where you got your start was radio. Yeah. Okay. I didn't do my FBI no, that's okay. CIA homework on you. Started in Tucson. Okay. And then got a gig at K-Rock in ni- early beginning of 99. Okay. And then I was there until this past July. Oh, wow. Really? Oh. I always thought it was cool that, like, the different DJs around the country, like, you know, people are generally following a trend, but everybody also is incorporating their own tastes a little bit. For sure. Just even just a little bit. Yeah. FYI, Nicholas, the cameras on us right now are officially rolling. Uh, don't give me an address, but was this getting to my place, my house? Was it a long trek for you? No, I only, I only live like 10 minutes away. Are you serious? Yeah, this is my neighborhood, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually used to live right above the canyon. Um, I, I had a little apartment. Really? So, so I love this area. Oh, good. Yeah. All right, here's how, what I'm starting with. I'm grabbing this note card. Okay. This is a tweet that I wrote to Walk the Moon Band, March 19th, 2012. Okay. It's early on. I wrote, hello, Walk the Moon Band. If you happen to be near a radio in 13 minutes, the Striker 420 is Anna Sun by you. Have a good show at the Echoplex. Oh, that was right. my pick of the day on March 19th, March 19th, 2012. Wow. So do you... I love that. Yeah, man. That was my pick. I did a feature on K-Rock every afternoon, could play whatever I want, and I knew you guys were in town. Love that song. Do you remember at that time where... Anna Sun was in terms of being popular or it was on its way? Well, Anna Sun was the song that took us from our like indie world into the realm of of other people out <laughs> knowing yeah. who we are. Right. And and labels and management and agents and all that stuff. So that song kind of began like for us it was birthed in Cincinnati. We had made this music video, the Anison music video, with our friends and community members and strangers and whoever would show up and um, and through a big party and uh, you know it. We were at that time just doing whatever we could with whatever we had, right? Right. Um, and and trying to be a as big a fish as possible in in the pond of of the you know Cincinnati and and you know surrounding towns, so. But it was around that time that you sent that note that we probably heard the song on the radio for the first time and had our like that thing you do, right? Tom Hanks, yeah, yes. moment, and, yeah, um, yeah. So it was uh, that was that was a special time. So much potential in the air, and so much like like this this whole world opening up to us for the first time. And were you guys just psyched at the time to be in LA playing a venue like Echoplex? I know in 2010 you released an album. Not really, it made, not really, no major label behind. It was self-released, but Anna Sun mm-hmm. was on that album. Mm-hmm. Had you come to LA many times before to do shows? No, the first, I think the first show we played in LA was at the bootleg, maybe late 2011, something like that. Wow. I think I called the audience San Francisco that no. night. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Wow. A good start. And how many people were at that? I mean, were you... Ah, probably 100 people, something like that. Which is actually not bad. It was great. Yeah, it was so, it was so fun. Um, yeah, I mean, now LA feels like a... I mean, I live here now, obviously, but the it feels like a second hometown to us. Like, Anna Sun in particular, like, really planted roots here and right. um, feels, like, feels like home for us here. Yeah, I mean, I remember specifically after playing the song, um, getting calls on the request line, um, like, what is this song? Who is this band? And I responded, 
They're called Walk the Moon, but I don't really know that much about them yet. I need to do figure out a deep dive, but at the time, there really wasn't a deep dive that I could do on you guys. Yeah, just a bunch of pictures of me in college on Facebook. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what college did you go to? I went to Kenyon College. And that's in Ohio? That's a little liberal arts school in the middle of nowhere on a hill in Ohio. Really? Yeah. And how did you end up at that school? And was it right after high school you went in that August or September? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and I, I went because I, I wanted to be an actor. Or a or a writer, a creative creative writer, maybe. Yeah. Um, I was like really into Shakespeare. I went to Shakespeare. I like took I took Shakespeare classes on Saturday mornings during high school because I loved Shakespeare so much. Shakespeare is tough. If you don't do a good Shakespeare and the audience is hip to Shakespeare, they're gonna be like, "This stinks." Yeah, for sure. Can you give me a line or two? Oh, it's not prepared for this. That's okay. Ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but soft. What light through yonder window breaks? It is the east and Juliet is the sun. R rise for a sun and kill the envious moon who is already... Oh, oh I'm going to forget. Oh, rise for a sun and kill the envious moon who is already... Mm, nope. No, that's, that's all right. That was close. I mean, you've written so many, so many songs since then. You've uh, have, you have enough in your brain. So uh, you studied Shakespeare. Wow, I just did that. That's all right. You're all right. So you go to college. How many years do you go to school? The full way? Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of... And, and I, I would later look back and see myself as kind of a late bloomer in like the rock and roll world. Cause I needed to go to college before I could do rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> like I needed to expand my horizons and <laughs> I needed to like my college girlfriend introduce me to talking heads and. Oh wow. Well, that's a good one to be introduced to uh -huh. for the love of God. It's a good one. Yeah. I needed to grow up a little bit. Um, and, and so I, I wasn't, wasn't, I mean, I, I started a band right out of, out of high school that eventually became walk the moon. I really only ever, in a way, I've really only ever been in one band, basically. Um, you love performing. I mean, we've been here five minutes so far, six minutes and 50 seconds. You like to perform. Why didn't you go? You, <laughs> wait, you start this band after high school, but you go to college. Did you get an agent for acting? Did you look into like, oh, I want to get to L.A. and maybe do commercials? I was more interested in straight theater, like like stage, you know, yeah. live theater. Yeah. Um, I hadn't really thought about myself in film and TV or anything like that. Um, I just loved the energy of all those people coming together to create that moment that only happens that one night, you know. Um, but as but after I started getting really deep into, you know, after I started buying records and like becoming obsessed with um, bands that I loved, like new newer bands at the time, like The Killers or Coldplay, yeah, um, or Muse. Um, love those three. They're at the top of my list. Uh-huh. Um, or, you know, older, you know, like really deep into music, like Jimi Hendrix or Simon and Garfunkel, um, or <laughs> Phil Collins or something like that. There's, there's something that like music just kind of came and like gobbled me up and took me away from all those other things. Not took me away in a bad way, but just right. like the, the passion that, um, I found for performing in, in that context for some reason just lit me up. Like, like nothing else. So when you're going to school and you're studying theater, you're reading somebody else's line, doing it in the way that you think they, the words should fly out of your mouth. Obviously in a band, it's your own thoughts, your own life experiences, and you have to share that stuff with the crowd. And you're a young dude at the time and the band does not have a ton of success. Was that hard to do? Uh, I mean... At the time, no, like there was in a way it felt like the most natural, like I'm not thinking about it. I'm just like doing, going, doing. Yeah. But looking back and having this conversation with you right now, um, 
yeah, I don't see that much a difference, I guess, between like writing songs and and writing theater, writing a play or something like with characters. And because for me, I've said this a lot talking about songwriting that um, a song will often start in an autobiographical place. Like yes. it always starts from something organic, something in my life and my environment, right. in my own heart that's happening, heart or mind or whatever. Um, but then once it kind of hits the, like my notebook or, uh, you know, like once it's kind of out of my head, it, it takes on its own life and becomes like a lot of the songs are about characters that have been created for the song. And that character might have life experiences that I have or emotions, you know, that like their, their story within the song is, is fed from a real place, but like the events that happen in the song, you know, are not necessarily sure real you know right true to yeah. life um what do you think it was or is about anna's son nine years ago ten years ago that people would hear it and be like you know what i'm locked into this song who the hell are these guys what do you think it is it was a really potent time i had just left college and i was depressed i was so mm. um i mean Why do you I'm, think I'm, you were depressed uh i mean I'm a happy person in general, but I was so struck with so much sadness of leaving this like magical place where all my best friends, I could just walk across, you know, across the lawn to their house and, and all, you know, this like, uh, this vibrant world of, of so much creativity and, and parties and, and just like great memories and all of that. And I, I was really hit with how, um, like transient that is it's just like that's really a moment in time and like, it's never going to be that way ever again For sure. you know new yeah. things will come in that are just as good or better maybe but um, but that time is uh, you know is gone gotta let that go and that that was so uh, powerful for me and um, so it's like all all the magic of my experience of of college and really like growing up fast um, and, and learning so much in such a short amount of time. And, uh, that, that was all like packed into that song. And, and, he, and the name Anna Sun is a professor, a professor that I had. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, okay. and it, it, the song isn't about her, but there was something about her name, um, that just like in, somehow encapsulated everything that was happening and, and just, it's a, you know it's a magical name and a son like that that's a yeah, real it, right. real name it's it's like yes. a, it's like a magic phrase so and as you're telling me this maybe that story's been told ten thousand times I love music I love your band I love that song I have never heard that before so I'm sitting here like ooh I'm geeking out yeah, this is cool. really really good right that's here awesome. so you release that first album then you release a self titled album but that's with RCA Records mm-hmm. how in the world did they find you how did they what was ha- like was it one show that you did in LA? Was it something on the internet? So we were entirely like, you know, our own engine, just just doing our own thing, booking our own tours. And um, I was the manager and the label. And, the, you know, <laughs> I actually would write, uh, I would, you know, I would cold cold call or cold email venues or, or bars, like as someone else, like I represent... <laughs> Walk the moon. Was there a fake email for that? Like uh, walk the moon manager at for sure. Gmail or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it was, but absolutely. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and, and so it was that like out of that era that we made the Anna Sun video. And um, we had a, 
a buddy who knew some folks at like a blog in this town or a radio station in that town. He would just, you know, help us and, you know, sending some, some stuff. Um, cause he was a touring musician before that. And, um, this blog in Washington, DC, all things go. I, I remembered you guys, all things go. Yeah. Um, uh, put the, put the video on their, on their blog and a little record label out of New York called neon gold. Okay. Um, who had, They've they've been credited with discovering Vampire Weekend and um, Passion Pit and wow um, and they they just they saw the video they tweeted about it and literally the next day my inbox was just full of emails lawyers and management and whoa agents and, and it was just like it was all happening suddenly all at once and um, what did you feel inside was it did you was it any sort of validation yet or nerves or excitement. I was, I had this at the time I had this like weird certainty about everything actually that, that I often think about. And I'm like, where did like, I, I like, I want some more of that right now. Uh, especially in these times, goodness gracious. Right. Um, yes, yeah. but yeah, where I was just like, yep, yep. This is hap- This is exactly what's supposed to be happening right now. Like this, I mean, obviously I was surprised and like freaking out, but also like, yeah, hundred, this is, this is, you know, we saw this, you yeah, know, yeah. We, we predicted this. Right. Um, and we had, I mean, we just had so many beautiful people kind of come out of the woodwork, including, including the folks at Neon Gold and uh, our, our lawyer, who's still our lawyer, Nikki right now, but people watching are like lawyer, what I imagine, but like, honestly, like your, your music lawyer is so, is so vitally important. And right. he's, and I think most people in 2021, not all, but most know that there is a history where artists get screwed. Yeah, there are actors who have been on who are on sitcoms in the '70s. Their episodes run seven times a day. They make zero dollars in 2021. There's bands that have written unbelievable songs, but because they didn't have a lawyer read the fine print, someone else is getting 75 percent of all the money, and they're getting maybe 18 percent of that only. Right. You need somebody to have your back that you could trust. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and and it's been a thing for uh, forever. Like artists, like have always um had uh advocates and um oh, what's the word of like patrons you know patrons of the arts like thousands you know, the last like hundreds and thousands of years not hundreds of thousands of years i mean right. maybe we can get into <laughs> aliens and stuff too I'll, I'll, I'll go i'll go deep on that um but you know like artists have always had um people around them that uh have been vital to the art being made um just not in a in a direct way, you know, right. and, yeah. and it's, it's still true now. Like we have, there are so many people in our team in our sort of like extended family, um, industry and, uh, and actual family and friendships and otherwise that how that are like so important to our story and our journey. And we, um, wouldn't be where we are if it weren't for, um, people who really love and believe in the art, you know, and it's, it's important Oh, I, I, this is this is great. Actually, it's just like reminding me like how important this is that there are people who believe in the importance of art. They believe in the importance of music, and they want to see it thrive and grow. and And they see that um, that vitality and that um, that importance in like the artists as well. And and I don't know where we would be if if we didn't have sure all, all these folks who have supported us along the way. And it's it's great. I mean, we can be all one big happy family and yeah, and uh, and and thrive because there's um, art being made and shared. That's awesome. 
in this interview so far, this hangout, you've mentioned uh, The Killers, Muse, and Coldplay. All of those bands, everyone knows they have great songs. Not just, I mean, you go through all their albums, oh my, great song, great song. But they bring them to life when they do a live show. Mm. And you leave their concerts and you're like, they're better than I even thought they would be. And mm -hmm. you tell all your friends, I was screaming that about Walk the Moon. You guys bring those songs to life. Did it take some time? I know I've mentioned this being on stage and all that, but I saw this seven, eight, nine years ago. Did you feel like you had it then? It was like, if people can just come see us, we're going to get one fan, one fan at a time here. We had a very, like, uh, fighting for our lives mentality mm. um, at the live show from the from the get-go. Um, and it, And a lot of the music, a lot of the music early on was kind of built around, like, how can we involve the audience? Like, like what kind of, like we would choose one as we're writing a song, we might choose one hook over another because like we can get the audience to clap or like shout or something like yeah. that. So like there was, there's kind of a community aspect inherent in the DNA of, of the music. And that's, that hasn't changed. Like that's, that, that continues, you know, that's like part right. of, it's become part of my, uh, I don't know, songwriter, uh, brain. something you think about so that's yeah that's something that's something i think about because it's it's like it, it feels it's natural but then it also it also is just it's just fucking fun <laughs> it's yeah. like it's just a that's it, like the my favorite part of the show is is the exchange with the audience um who are some of the bands that you opened up for before you guys went out on your own as headliners uh i mean the first the first band we ever toured with was group love oh wow yeah First band was was Group Love, but it was a little little tour. The first like big proper one where we're like, damn, like we're on we're on tour was Fits in the Tantrums. Oh yeah. And honestly, that changed our lives. That that tour that or it set us on a course of how we wanted to tour. I just remember them being so generous. Mm. And so What does uh, that mean exactly with when you're saying the band is generous? Sure, what sure. What sort of way? Well, they would I remember for one, they're friendly. They actually said hello. Right. And some and sometimes you're opening for men. They don't. They don't. They don't give a shit. They don't. I've heard that they're not interested, which yes. is fine. Uh, you know, but these were just like, oh, they're right away, which is warmth, and you could feel that warmth from uh, like everyone around them, like that was working for them. The the tour manager, you know, like welcoming and accommodating, and yeah. and you know wanted wanted us to win too, like help helping us, you know, just uh, make our lives a little easier. Also down to we would play a small venue in, I don't know, like Orlando or something. And there was only one dressing room and it wasn't that big. And, and Fitz and the tantrums were like, well, we'll just, we'll just stay on the bus. You guys take the dressing room. Come on. Yeah. Oh yeah. That is almost unheard of. I've heard stories of opening bands who are credible and good where they wouldn't even let them have, if there were five band members and there's five dressing rooms, the five Band, band members would get the dress rooms. The opening band, stay in your van or bus. Right. You can't come in. Holy crap. Kudos yeah. to Fitz and the Tantrums. Totally. And wow. yeah, they, they set they set a vibration that like we just recognize as like, well, this is this is how we want to tour. This is how we want to treat our people. This is mm. how we want to make everyone else feel when we're on the yeah. road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm so grateful for that because in 10 years, 10 years in, we've had the same tour manager 10 years and and we've just got this incredible um family around us that makes the makes the road joyful right you know okay so then it's roughly 2014 and it's time to release talking is hard mm -hmm. holy mackerel things go to a new level for your band walk the moon 
when you go in to record the cause shut up and dance is on there mm-hmm. when you go to record that album do you feel pressure or no yeah i think there's been a bit of that pressure each time but it hasn't been all that present for us i think we're more we're there's more of like an internal for us there's more of like pressure on ourselves to keep, yeah. keep outdoing ourselves um and writing the best thing that we can um but I don't know, you hear those, like, I think of the stories of, I mean, I don't know if this is real or if I made this up, but like, I think of like Chad Kroger trying to like write, don't say it as a blind man, you know, trying to write yeah, that song. Like, I was a blind man. Yeah, again and again, you know, just like always like trying to, um, the, like getting pressure from the label to like write the same hit again or something like that. Right. And right. I don't, I just don't know that we are capable of that. We're just, we're, I think we're a little too schizophrenic for like, for uh, uh, songwriters. Is talking as that. hard musically for you a lot different than the first two albums you put out? To me, they're all, I mean, there's, there is some kind of progression. Um, I would say maybe from the beginning that feels like an intimateness and things got kind of like more epic. But I think on this last record that we've just put out yeah. Heights, Heights, um, November 12th, it was released. That's right. just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We got a new album out. We got a new yes. album out, y'all. Oh, yeah. New we're we're, we're going to get to it. Can You Handle My Love, as we sit here, is number five. Hey. Uh, love the song. Awesome. K-Flay, co-writer on there. That's right. Well, we can right. talk about that right now. Cool. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, you know, on, on, this, on this new album, I feel like we've come back around. Like, we've, we've, like, funneled some of that epicness into a more intimate space. Um, but... I, I don't know. I don't know how people hear Walk the Moon, but when I listen to the albums, when I'm <laughs> when I'm when I'm at home smoking a pipe, having a brandy, and listening to my own music, I um I, I hear us as being like I use the word schizophrenic. I was just like I've never seen us as one of those bands where like every song sounds the same or in a and in a in a good like. That would be a great thing if like if like we had a similar sound or, or something. And maybe yeah. maybe we do to an outsider. But to me, like the the songs are like really are quite eclectic and um and sometimes feel almost mismatched. Mm. Um but I've come to embrace that and I've come to see that as like, oh, this is like this is something, you know, we're 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 spanning the whole human experience here, you know, and, right. and this is how we do it. You mentioned just being like all over the place, like making the song, but do you tinker a lot with the stuff? Let's just say, everyone, you know what, this song is done, but you still got, whether it's three weeks or six months before the public gets it, do you ever go back and be like, holy crap, what have I done? This is not, I, my brain is ticking differently today than when I wrote this seven, eight, nine months ago. Oh, constantly. So what do you do? I mean, you can't, it's, it's like there's so much letting go in the process and things evolve and sometimes you sometimes you make a terrible mistake uh, like you know <laughs> recording something and it becomes the entire song then they're like everybody's like wait what's that and then oh, the entire wow. song revolves around that mistake <laughs> and <laughs> and it doesn't feel like a mistake it feels like a gift from on high oh yeah. um other times i've felt like i will have a you know, a revelation, a revelatory idea, but then it takes the song in such a different direction that like by the end of it, I, I'm like, ah, oh, man, I actually feel like I miss the, whatever the initial spark was, like that's, the, this, the song's now so different. I mean, it's cool, it's its own thing, but it's so different from where it started. And so 
there's such a journey that happens before the songs ever get released. There's such a journey of, of like this, you know, evolving creature. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. What if nothing, which is the album before heights was mm-hmm. 2017. So it's time to make heights and you start writing the album, making the album and then the pandemic hits. Right. Uh-huh. So what sort of uh, trouble did that cause you for making the album? If any, sure. It was, it was a blessing and a curse. Mm. I mean, the curse is obvious. Like, you know, every, everyone uh, experienced 2020 and, you know, in such a variety of uh, such a, in, in all the ways. Um, I'm like, I'm like, how can I be politically correct as I talk about? I think everyone knows that we have like, more, so much empathy. It's been a horrible, sucky almost two years now. Yeah. Lives have been lost. This is strictly a question about the creative, how it messed you up creatively and helped you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Man, I'm just, and now when you, you said that in such a, you actually said that so beautifully, I'm like Thank st- you. struck by it again. Like this is, this has just been so intense and I'm grateful that we had a creative project to focus on because uh, it really gave us a sense of purpose during that time. Um, and we were, we were about halfway through recording when lockdown hit and you know, we didn't know how, uh, nobody knew how long that was going to take. Sure. Um, and then when it started to become clear, like this is going to last a while, like, we didn't know if we could finish the album in that, in those circumstances. Um, and thanks to technology and, you know, video calls and um, our amazing engineer and producers, we made the album from, the rest of the album from home. You know, we all like upgraded our home studios. Sean, our drummer, literally yeah. turned his, the, like the, bottom floor of his house into like this state-of-the-art drum studio <laughs> oh my god so sean epic. was at his house he yeah downstairs full drums. mad scientist eli, what's he doing eli i mean meanwhile just he had a he had a baby just before the pandemic okay so also a blessing and a curse for him you know like like yes they're isolated but he you know normally he would have been on tour and right. um yeah. he gets to share all these amazing firsts with his new child and his wife and um and meanwhile, I'm a bachelor, you know, um, <laughs> and you live uh, recording you live vocals here, and playing video games. You live here in Los Angeles. <laughs> but did you I've met some people. Listen, I don't think I thrived during the pandemic. I know some people that did, whether mm. it was weight loss, whether it was kind of refocusing their life, figuring out their relationship status with their partner. It went to the next level or it was like, nope, this stinks. I have to move on. Where were you and all that? Mm. It was it was both for me. I, I would say because so many, so much time spent in the last 10 years has been on the road, that time at home, like that extended time felt like vacation, felt like sanctuary. It did feel like, even though you're for the most part, but were you by yourself then for most of it? For a lot of it. You were. I I had, I had some, I had some close friends that, you know, we had kind of, kind of a pod. Good, Um, good, good. And, and I felt like I had a really, um, good community around me. <laughs> Meg Myers, the, uh, the artist. I love Meg Myers. She, she and I became like best friends really during that time. And, um, just, uh, one of my favorite humans, such an incredible artist. Uh, so like, good. Yeah. Um, so some, there were some beautiful blessings during, during that time, but the main one, I think being just like, we, we had the album to focus on. And, right. um, so we would, there were, you know, there's obviously something lost in not being all in the room together with this epic producer 
our dear uh, dear producer Mike Crossy, he did about two thirds of this record. Okay, um, and um, he's just an epic individual. And working with him, he's he's such a effusive, like uh, warm personality, and also like total mad scientist. Um, and um, but he he has this like very strong half Irish, half Liverpudlian <laughs> accent that just makes you feel like you're in a rock and roll movie when you're right? in the studio with him, you know? So, uh, it's like extra satisfying, you know, yeah. like in this, uh, ineffable way working with him. Um, we also worked with Paul Meany, the formerly the lead singer of mute math, right? Right. Who was one of my heroes. Um, one of those, one of those bands, you know, some of my first, first records that I'd like totally fell in love with. This and dude's Paul is so, he's a very smart guy. He's, he's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So kind, so warm, such a, such a generous collaborator, just like really, uh, so fun to work with him. Um, and he did about a third of the record. Nicholas, were there more folks involved with this record than the previous ones then? There are, right? Or no, with the, maybe some co-writing and collabs, not necessarily verbal um, collabs, but... Getting the songs together. Um, it's uh, there was there was a, a good amount of people. I wouldn't say it was more than the last oh, okay. last couple of records. We did we we had a um, one extra producer on this um, who did the song "Rise Up" with me. Actually, co co produced that song. Uh, Jonas Jaberg. I don't I don't know how to say his name. Sorry, Jonas <laughs> Jaberg, Jaberg, Jaberg. I don't know. Great guy. Um, and I was I was grateful he was open to collaborating on that one. I I went deep on production my goal uh, my dream is to also be a producer and, it is um and um and work with other artists and you know be behind the scenes and stuff in addition to you know pursuing you know being a front man and songwriter and all that hold on hold on hold on here okay there are some producers out there right now who are still are and were great front people of bands and as they've been in the business a long time and have played show after show after show, and they know how to construct a song, young bands have gone to them. Is this something that you want to do 10 years from now? Or is this something if someone comes along and you're like, ooh, I like this, that you would do it in the next two years? Right. It's happening now. It's happening now. Um, That's amazing. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. I mean, there's... Um, Walk the Moon takes up a lot of space yeah. <laughs> in, my, in my world. Because you guys are still... I don't even know if you've peaked yet in Walk the Moon. No, I mean we're still we're still going and growing, and yeah. like it's still uh, the train is very the locomotive is very much moving. So, Definitely. Um, uh, it's it's my you know that's Walk the Moon is my focus, and um, I I just I love I I've I've discovered that I love bringing other artists' work to life, and it's really fun to use all these skills that I've developed over the years um writing songs and more than just lyrics and melody but like crafting like the arc of, you know like the delivery the the storyline of the song the energetic storyline of the song and like just have that like bring that wealth of of time and knowledge you know spent to uh, to somebody else where i don't have to be the like the face of it yeah it's actually liberating you know it's right. and um and I, I, yeah i love i love bringing that in and honing, honing that gift in that way. Um, so when you hear an, uh, an artist being interviewed and they're talking about their experience with Rick Rubin or John Feldman or any, are you, do you listen up to what the artist says about their experience with those people? And does that ever inspire you in some sort of way or be like, Oh really? That's how Rick Rubin ha works with the, this is what his style is. 
Not in mm. terms of the music, but his personality with the bands. I guess we've had so much experience on our own working with different producers. It's clear that it's so personal. And, you know, one producer might be like total gearhead and like be in like the science of it. And another producer might have a guy that's doing the science and is more the ideas person, you know? So yeah. like it's, it's, uh, I've seen a, a beautiful array of like people setting a great example and doing their own thing with it. So I don't know. I'm, I feel inspired to continue to hone those skills, but also like trust that like, I'm, you know, the path that's right for me will unfold. You know, there is no doubt in my mind, my small, very small mind that you are going to kill it as a producer. Mm. You know how to write and Thank construct you. a damn song. Thanks, bro. You really do with real content, with real hooks. It's songs that we want to sing, hum, and dance to and see live. You get those four things, things are going to go unbelievably well. The goal is dancing and crying at the same time. Oh, okay. That's what we want. I like that. Okay. We, <laughs> we want to have this very emotional catharsis, but also be just... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you handle my love? In my super small bubble, If I every Tuesday a new episode comes out, and it... I think it could be similar to a band releasing a new song. I'm like, are people going to like this? Oh my God, I'm so nervous every Monday. I have the worst stomach ache. When a, your new record comes out and it does well, are you like, phew, thank God? Or is it a different reaction? For sure. I mean, you feel like you're just sending out, you're just like, the album is like, it's like Moses, you know, on a, on a, like, in swaddling clothes on a boat that you're just putting out. <laughs> Onto the river, onto the Nile River as right. it floats down through the crocodiles. So yeah. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> see ya. I hope, I hope one day you part the seas, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually, I've been, I've been struggling personally. I've been struggling with that recently where mm. it feels like I'm, there's, I'm so out of control of the fate of the music. And it's, it's like even more and more obvious or like in my face or something with, how internet and social media and TikTok culture, it's like, it's just like, nobody has any idea how anything works anymore, you know? And I'm, I guess I'm, I'm searching for, like, I'm happy. Part of me is happy to like spiritually come into acceptance of like, I, it's completely out of my control. Like this could be the biggest thing ever or nothing yeah. at all. Or, yeah. you know, it'll never be nothing, but like, you know, there's, like the path that I hope that it takes and and whatever path it's going to take, which could be that or more or less. Right. Um, and so there's, yeah, there's the part of me that's like, okay, I can, I can meditate on that and be, and like be cool with that, do some yoga and I'll be fine with that. <laughs> and there's like, nowadays I'm also like searching. I'm also like still hungry, you know, it's like, like the world's changing and evolving. And that version of myself 10, 11, 12 years ago, that was just like ravenously booking like shitty gigs, <laughs> as many shitty gigs as possible. Yeah. And with a, you know, running around with a, with a notebook and getting people's emails, you know, and painting their faces and whatnot, you know, like that was innovative at that time. Uh, and, sure. and it was just like, and th my attitude around it was just like, oh, well, it's just a matter of time and I'm just going to do all this, all these things and I'm going to get, you know, the next show is going to be at least one more person than it was at the previous show. And we're just going to grow. And it's like, I'm, I'm watering this, uh, this monster plant. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I don't know, I, I, there's like, we're on a major label and we've got 
people who've got opinions about how to do this or that, or we've got a, you know, there's like teams of advisors, you know, and it's like, I'm, I'm searching. It's easy. Uh, so I, that's all to say, like, it's easy. Like after you, one reaches, one reaches a certain uh, uh, level of success, maybe to get complacent. Cause mm-hmm. there are people who like are hired to do things for you. Right. Um, but the art still starts here. Right. And with the band and like the, like, ultimately everything that goes out into the world is an expression of like the innermost, like the core of, of the band. Um, and so what is like, I'm, I'm finding myself like searching for that. Um, what are, what are the, what are the things that I can control or what are the things that I can have influence on beyond like what I post on my Instagram? Like it is important. Like I love being able to connect with people in that way and like share myself and share my experience or like my, perspective yeah it's, it's totally super valuable and i'm a little like bored or something with it or like or feeling like there's more there that i'm not accessing um that i want to that makes sense yeah that i'm like i'm like huh it makes me want to return to the days of just like showing up somewhere randomly and playing it like or just doing some kind of gorilla like right i don't know there's a band in here a young band just the other day um, called the Aqua Dolls. They're a three-piece, all female. They're like 22 to 24-year-old range. And they brought instruments. And they're like, can we play two songs? I'm like, this is not uh, the Capitol Records building or a super famous studio. I, I, they're like, we don't care. We, we, we just want to play. So, but, and I, I'm going to mix on this uh, $300 board that I bought at Guitar Center with these. I have like only two other mics here. Yeah, let's do it. It sounded fantastic. It kind of like made me think of what you just said. This girl, let's just go do it. Let's yeah. It doesn't have to be I so that. pretty. Not, so I wish I brought a keyboard. <laughs> yeah. How many keyboards do you own? Um, not too many. Okay. I've mostly owned the same two keyboards and replaced them over and over again for ten years. Uh, because I don't know. There's there's like this one little sleeper Roland keyboard. We're getting into nerdy territory now. Yep. Um, <laughs> that like nobody else owns because it's a piece of shit. But I love it, and it's like made some of the signature "Walk the Moon" sounds. And oh, nice! Yeah, but no, I actually just spent time yesterday in a in a like super, like uh, nerd nexus of uh, of keyboard <laughs> delights. That's uh, there's a place <laughs> called Rosen Sound here in in LA, and just great people work there, and they they repair like high end keyboards. So right. there's just like it was like a museum that I could go and just play and twirl around. Oh, cool, and, man! Yeah, and it's great. I ended up I ended up buy one yeah you did yeah how much do keyboards cost is it like that two thousand i mean there's there's keyboards there's like some good keyboards you can get for like five or six hundred bucks and then there's other ones that are like um they can get up there like yeah like there's a like the vintage juno sound that you hear on like the killers records or like you know famous 80 80s records like that maybe that's Two thousand or three thousand dollars. All right, that's a lot of money. But that's okay. I thought yeah. you were going to say way, way more. Than but that. then there's, but then like it, there's a surge now in some of these like old vintage like spaceship keyboards, um, that are you know some of the keyboards are twenty to sixty thousand dollars. You know, wow, wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, we've been here like forty five minutes. A couple okay. more things. It was just Thanksgiving, uh, five days ago. 
did you go see any family? Did they come here? What like how do you do? What what the hell did you do? Um, I got my mom. It's just my mom and I. My dad passed away a few years ago, Sorry. and I'm the only child, so it's just okay. it's just me and my mom. And she lives in Cincinnati. She lives in Cincinnati. She does okay. So typically, the the move is go home to Cincinnati and and hang out with mom and the doggo, and uh, <laughs> and we do our thing. But I convinced her to come out to to Los Angeles this year for Thanksgiving. She was, she was here for a week. I just dropped her off yesterday at, at the airport. And, um, we ha- I have some friends up in Ojai. We went up there and, and, um, st- we stayed in an RV on this <laughs> property for a couple Christmas days. Vacation almost. Yeah. So wait, Jay, yeah. You and your mom in an RV in Ojai in Ojai sleeping in the same RV. Yeah. Sleeping in the same RV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How was that? It was great. And Good. it was, you know, like, she she got to experience um, my like neo like hippie uh, like friends. <laughs> Your worlds collided. For world, real. Worlds collided. Yeah, yeah, you know there was um, a minor amount of nudity that she tolerated. Okay, and, <laughs> and uh, you know it was it was it was so fun. I was just um, my mom is is such a uh, she's such a, like. A, She's just down. She'll meet you anywhere. Like any conversation in the whole world, she'll meet you there. And, and oh, that's great. And um, she's been a such a beautiful rock in my life. Does she follow everything you do? I know she's your rock, but does she listen to the songs? Is she does she has she been to more than twenty of your shows? Do you think for sure? Yeah. Oh, oh, she, oh okay. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Right. She's 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 a, uh, a rock mom. Is it okay if I ask a question about your dad? For sure. Absolutely. Um, were they married then when he passed? Yeah. Oh, they were. Yeah. Yeah, my dad had Alzheimer's. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, and early onset, he, he got it when he was 49. Wow. Um, and had it for like 15, 14, 15 years. Wow. Um, oh, man. Yeah, it was uh, it was another one of those, um, you know, uh, obviously it was, it's like my run-in with tragedy in my life, my experience of like of deep sorrow in my life is, is through my dad's illness. Mm-hmm. But I, I've also come to see it as a gift too. Um, and he was the one that introduced me to, he, you know, he would introduce me to like cake and Coldplay and oh, like, wow. you know, like he, like he was in, into music um, when I was growing up and the one that like really got me into the scene, I guess. Um, and... <sighs> He saw some of your success. He did. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah, totally. Um, You know, it's not only did he like kind of set me on the path in a way of of music, but also that experience of losing him um, and that long, long process of him being sick. um, You know, there are, (laughs) <laughs> there are so many um, terrible traumas that people have gone through in the world and, and, um, and this one, this one was mine, yeah, you know? Yeah. And through that window of that, like darkness, I've, I, I feel like I'm a, there's like, there's a, there's a level to which I can understand. I'm now understanding other people's, uh, hardships and pain and um and it's you know it's it's altered my music it's altered my my um worldviews and mm. my spiritual perspectives and um how i approach life and um maybe it's just a deeper bigger person you know right. yeah um 
uh, more compassionate person. And so I, I, it's hard for me to imagine my life and my own, I like, I, w I don't recognize my heart, you know, from, from before it's like, it's evolved and changed so much. All as a result of what your dad went through, which, and how you experienced that. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, and, and with so much love, I mean, he was, you know, I, I'm so lucky that my, my parents were love, you know, the, the, you know, till the day he passed and, um, and he was, you know, I mean, he's, you know, uh, that, I, I, I don't know how much people know about that disease, but you know, he's like, he can't speak or feed himself. And he's still like making jokes, like with his eyes, you know, like <laughs> yeah. he's like, he's like poking, oh, he's man. like making us laugh even to the, to the very end. And so to experience, to see that and, you know, him go through that with so much grace and yeah. humor, um, Thanks for changed, changed my this. life. Yeah. 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 Wow. Can I ask something else personal? Please. Okay. Yeah. Let's um, do it. In July of 2020, you came out and revealed who your true self is, mm. right? Said, I am a bisexual man. I don't know. And I would like to ask, is this something you knew your whole life? Or was how did that come about? And why did you feel so free um, to let the world know? And I'm glad you did. And the response of course, and it should be, was loving, and it was amazing. Yeah, the response was so, so beautiful. I felt so supported and seen and loved. Yeah. Um, and and really, that's a, it's a, I, I see that as a matter of privilege, like the times, you know, like I, I was inspired, um, I was getting into uh, just um, learning about Harvey Milk, um, and he had said something like, um, you know, uh, come out to your, come out to your parents, come out to your neighbors, come out to the mailman, come out to, you know, because the more that people realize like we're among you, we are, we, you know, like that we're everywhere, you know, like yeah. we, we're just like the, and, and, and the way I see it is it's all a spectrum. It's like someone may be at a very far end of one spectrum, but we're all like, really here on this on the same scale and just like in different different places and and, and that can change and evolve too right. um and really you know there's that just just eliminating that separation that idea like that there's another like i, I just think that's a total illusion that there that there is other like really we're we're all just um reflections of one another and um and so so for me, I felt very privileged coming out in time where like it would be celebrated and, you know, and I, I haven't, I've, I, I said in my coming out post, you know, I've, I've passed for, a, uh, you know, cis straight guy my whole life and, right. and I've never, I've never very minimal, um, uh, so you knew from you know, five years old on that. that maybe uh, that you were into guys and girls. Is that fair to say? No. Um, it was, it was later on, um, when, and it, it really, it wasn't until I met someone who, um, I felt s safe. Like I realized like, Oh, like I feel, I feel safe with this person in a new way and felt safe to express myself with them. And I didn't, I didn't know that like that, that was a part of me oh, until then, interesting. Until, until I felt safe enough, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, so, so for me, 
it was really just like if if what I'm if my coming like I I never felt a need to like oh I've got to I've got to have a, a I've got to make an event of this so that my parents know and then my people it's just like it it was it was not um I feel like people would figure it out or they you know I just I didn't really care that much but when I could see that my with my who I am um with my platform but as i say this actually you know everyone has a platform like whether they're you know they know two people or they know they're, they're you know you're freaking beyonce or something right. um that if that my sharing vulnerably could give someone else permission to do the same uh, or inspire someone else to to feel that safety yeah in in you know marginally then it's worth it so I'm very, very happy for you. Yeah, thank you. Do you, you. feel liberated? For yeah, you're, thank you for speaking of it. Yeah. And I, I think there's got to be one person watching that heard the words that you just said and is going to know it's it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's totally going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. What a hangout session. Thanks, man. man this, yeah. was, this was fun as can be. And all the bullet points that I wanted to know and learn about you as I've been a fan for so many years, you filled them all out. I <laughs> awesome. learned so much. Congrats on an amazing career that you have created. And that as we know, it hasn't even peaked yet. Well, so much you. more to get done as a front man, walk the moon and as a producer. Hey, all right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that is Nicholas from Walk the Moon. Heights is the new album that is out. Thank you so much for listening and watching to Tuna on Toast. I am Ted Stryker. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye. That's another episode of Stryker's Tuna on Toast. Promise, it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe. Is that dude awesome or what? I will root for Walk the Moon and specifically for uh, Nicholas. The rest of my life, I said that at the very top of the show. He's just a charming, smart, very talented guy. And I appreciate how open he was on this show. All right, Ted Stryker, Tuna on Toast. It's very easy to find me on Instagram. Watch the YouTube show. Spread the word. And thank you so much for the support. We will see you on the next one. Have a great rest of your day or night. Have I said it yet? Happy snuggles. Bye-bye.